Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. Here in Australia, most of us don't even think about when we need water, we just go to the tap and turn it on. When we need to go to the latrine, we just step into the little room. But life is not so easy for those who are refugees. Peter is part of the Salvos International Services Emergency Teams who respond to different situations around the world. And he shares what he was doing for the South Sudanese refugees who'd fled their homes into Uganda. In my time as an officer, I've actually worked about eight and a half years on the African continent already. Right. So you knew what to expect already? Yeah, in some respects, yes. For, for most of us, we have no idea. What, just paint a picture of what you went to. Um, we went to uh, northern Uganda, which is about 45, 50 kilometres south of the South Sudanese border. Um, it's uh, an area that... Um, Barren's not the right word. It's, it's relatively sparsely populated with not a lot of infrastructure resources, but the Ugandan government is providing um, support for South Sudanese refugees who are coming over the border into Uganda uh, from the conflict that's going on between South Sudan, Sudan and the warring political parties up there. And that's what you were responding to, helping these South Sudanese refugees? Yes, with some specific things. The, the program has been probably running for a couple of years and there's um, upwards at the moment of about 1.2 million refugees already situated in northern Uganda and the Salvation Army provides some specific programs related to what they call WASH programs, which is water, sanitation and hygiene. Wow. And we, we were the conduit for funding and the provision of 18 boreholes um, and 150... Uh, pit latrine toilets for the refugee camps. Right. So that they had access to clean water and access to clean toilets. Amazing. What did you do specifically over there? Uh, specifically, we, we were the liaison between the Salvation Army and the uh, United Nations Human Rights Commission and Oxfam and a few of the other agencies involved. And we, um, we organised the contractors and supervised the delivery of the latrines and the boreholes. Did you speak to any of the South Sudanese refugees personally? Yes, yeah, yeah, we did speak with quite a few because we were in the camps. Is there any one particular one, and I'm sure they probably all stand out, but that really impacted on you? Um, look, they all impact in some way, and I admit from experience you've got to maintain a little level of detachment. Otherwise, it impacts you to the point where it prohibits you from sort of being a little bit productive. Yeah. But, I mean, they all had sad stories, and, and particularly there was, there was um, just in the statistics that we looked at, you know, there were 63% were women and children who had escaped across the border. Some had gone in the middle of the night and just, and just literally ran away from their houses and their livestock and their livelihood to go to somewhere safer. So... You know, and old, old, frail people who weren't walking were carried by other people so that they could get to safety in Uganda. Oh, we can't even begin to imagine what that must be like living in this country, right? Incomprehensible, yes. Oh. But there is, no, there is no social welfare program. So these people are now totally reliant on the United Nations to support them. And they were supposed to be supporting them up to the end of last year. The conflict hasn't resolved, so therefore it's just ongoing. Wow. And it might be 10 years, but they're still considered temporary residents with limited access to the country, other than the resources the UN provides, until such time as it's safe for them to go back. So they just live in limbo. What, what, what's their housing? 
Um, their housing is, is sometimes it's mud huts which they build themselves. The UN provides them with um, plastic sheeting and wooden frames, and they will build themselves a shelter. Right. That's why we were building sort of block toilets, so they had good, safe toilets to go to. Yeah. Um, the UN also provides them with some food supplies on a monthly basis, and then we provide the access to water. So. Wow. So they're not carting water over long distance. Wow. So will you be going back again? Is it a regular thing that you go over there? Um, I personally won't be going back, but other people from the Salvation Army International Emergency Services team will likely go back. We were, we had, This was the second time that it had been done, and, and other colleagues of mine had gone the first time. We did a much more expanded program the time I went last year. and We also did some planning for a future program, possibly later in the second half of this year, that would look specifically at providing some toilets and boreholes for schools. There are a couple of NGOs who provide um, education to children and provide um, buildings and schools so that in the midst of all this, that their education is not um, inhibited in any way. Yeah. So then we were looking at the, the school-type toilets are a specific style of toilets, and we were getting some contractors to quote on building those. Wow. That's that's amazing. So there's there is hope amongst all of that, right? Yep, yep. And again, one day they're hoping to return home. That's Peter White, who's part of the Salvos International Services Emergency Teams. This is Light and Life. To contact us, go to salvos.org.au/radio.